Mm-hmm. We we um we changed every reference to Alex said uh something clever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I said <laughs> you, really, you, you really stuck the landing. Yeah, that, that was one. good. Really slaying them, slaying them, killing it, lazy, la- killing it, <laughs> putting right. them up, knocking them down. Lazy Sunday here at the Ward Podcast. Lazy Sunday, woke up in the afternoon. <laughs> Card Ponell just to see how he's doing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's a Lonely Island song. Oh, I've only I think. I've never been big into Lonely Island. I, I'm not either, but uh, one summer camp, that was like the summer camp's anthem, because these two guys wouldn't stop singing it, so it's just like permanently embedded in my head. Sounds like something that would be a summer camp anthem. Yep. It was, it was either that or Sweet Home Alabama, so we didn't have much choice in the matter. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I like uh, that. I'm all about it. Are you? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm just getting, getting comfortable here. This is like the most lounging I've ever been for this. Just like oh. stretched, stretched out. I thought you meant like since you've been to Pittsburgh. Oh, no. Pittsburgh's been good. I'm enjoying it. Should we sync this up? Oh yeah, we. Uh, I'll we set pro- a beat. I'll set a beat. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One. It's so bad. We're good. That's oh Jesus. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Oh, is she still getting picked up? Yes. Is that against, are you synced up? I'm, are we synced? I think we're good. I'm going to try again. You ready? Yeah. Ward Podcast episode 39, go. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Did, did he just hang up the call? <laughs> 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 let me let me add it back in. <laughs> that was his protest. Yeah, I think. Okay, hold on. I'm, oh wait, no, don't give us another link. Here, I have I have the link to ours. I copied it. I'm gonna send it to him. Yeah, tell him to come back on ours. Come on, Chad, go style. Or just do us two again. I'm still recording, by the way. I am too. Oh, I think I may have caused that to clip. Ooh. Okay, yeah, that looks fine. Did did he join? Yeah, he's back. Okay, I see him. I'm just. Hey, on. buddy. Welcome back. How you doing? You look so pleased to be here. I'm gonna hang up again. No, don't hang up again. No, don't don't go, please. I had I had a lot of energy a second ago, and you tried to you stole my thunder, my thunder. I'm sorry. Yeah, you better be. Hey, don't apologize sorry. for that. Don't let them push you around. I'm not pushing anyone around. Push. I'm just saying. Push. I'm just saying. I listened to your guys' podcast last week. What do you think? Yeah. You called it the real podcast. You called it the real war podcast. Just at the end, it was like a late towel card. Yeah. It's the first line in the website. Oh, the that's real right. Capital R podcast is back. Yeah. It's the trademarked. Uh, the Dax podcast. 
Did That's you fair. uh did you hear any I, Dan and I understand where we stand to you? Oh, I see. Oh, don't do that. I see. Don't do that. No, that's cool. Um, yeah. We're the fucking Dan and... Man, whatever. Hi, Dylan. We're the, the damn pod, podcast. Hi, hi, Mason. Hi, Alex. Hi, Mason. What's going on, guys? Not much. I'm currently uh, 20 feet from Mason in the other room. In another room. In another room. Yeah, we're in Pittsburgh. Hey, you ever reach out and touch someone. Speaking of Pittsburgh, speaking of Pittsburgh, I'm sitting here looking at a calendar for the Row House Cinema. Uh, Row House. It's a local, um, as it was described to me, a hipstery movie theater, which is pretty like, pretty accurate. It's a movie theater for for people who love movies. Clearly, they're doing uh, Tarantino next week, <laughs> as opposed to a movie theater for people that hate movies. No, these people are like really into movies. I know. I think that's the movie theater for me. That's probably true. <laughs> oh yeah, Mason, season, Dylan, season Mason was telling me uh, that your taste in movies is kind of—I don't want to say questionable, unpredictable. <laughs> is that—is that a better way of saying? I would it? say unpredictable is the Un- one that unpredictable. I, I, can't, I can't figure out what he likes and doesn't like. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, you know, I like things that surprise me. I, I, I kind of like things Ooh. like that. Did uh, that did, was that surprising? Did I surprise you? Yeah, I was real surprised, especially because it cut off on my end. So I just heard it. <laughs> That's his. Alex was never taught how to do a boo. <laughs> Alex, you say B O O. You don't just groan uh, and orgasm. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll try better next time. Um, I think the last movie I didn't say like it was I like bad days. Oh, I'm I just saying it was, it was interesting. Yeah, I think the last movie like I really really liked in theaters was Gone Girl, because I knew nothing about it going in, and maybe if I knew more about it, maybe it would be less. You know what's weird? Is that I figured the twist out and like, and I hadn't read the book or anything for Gone Girl, uh-huh. and I was kind of bummed. But maybe because in the movie they telegraph it a lot more as opposed to the book, where everyone was like super surprised by it. I don't know. Maybe um, the movie's brutal. Yeah, I liked it. It's a good movie. I like it. I haven't seen it yet. It's pretty good. It's Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. Get some dope throat cutting in that movie. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Uh, speaking of throat cutting, uh, Mason. What? Did you hear? <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with throat cutting. Um, okay. Did you hear anything in last week's podcast that you wanted to comment on, talk about, anything, catch your ears? Oh, I only listened to the first, like, little bit. Um, You missed all the good stuff then. Wait, is there something that you guys called me out on? No. Oh no! I was, oh. I was ju- genuinely asking. I did. I did scrub through to you guys talking about the Witcher UI, and it was hilarious because I think that as the the day you pushed the wit that podcast, the Witcher was that UI when the new update came out completely revamped. Yeah, yeah, it's like, so much better now. <laughs> but it was like it was like the other week when we were like, oh god, what was it? We were talking about um. Oh, Ken Levine and yeah. things that Dylan watched. Yeah. With Ken Levine. Uh-huh. I was like, Dylan's just cursed. Huh. <laughs> oh, I wasn't complaining about the UI. That was all Alex. Yeah, that oh, was put that on me. The, between the two of you, you're both cursed. Oh, well. I thought it was funny. It's cool though. It's cool because you called it. An issue oh, see, out I'm. It's, it's fixed. I don't think I'm cursed. I think I have magic powers because I complained about the UI and then I start playing The Witcher again a week later, and the UI was magically fixed. I think I have the power of God. Yeah, you and every other YouTube commenter in the world <laughs> complain to change the world. <laughs> True. Um, no, I thought it was it was cool. I can't remember what else I heard. Uh, well, I I know you talked about Overwatch, maybe. 
Yeah, we, Pro- we talked about it a little bit. A little bit. Probably Overwatch is probably not fucking enough. rocks. Dude, Overwatch is fucking amazing. Mason and I have been playing so much Overwatch. Holy shit. Have you been playing on PC? What have you been playing on? Both. Uh, Both. Sometimes we'll, we'll trade off on Xbox, and sometimes... He gets tired of trading off and goes into his room to play. Um, no, it's just that, like, okay, so <laughs> the the Xbox version, characters like Soldier 76 and oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, McCree <laughs> and Widowmaker are really hard to be super competitive. Because, like, on, on console, Soldier 76 is, like, he's not good. But on PC, like, I can destroy with him. Do you think it's and the, it's it's just the mouse control? To, yeah, because you can turn – it's just – I mean, from a design standpoint, the biggest difference between PC and console is how fast it takes a turn, right? So here's a thought for you. I was playing around with the Xbox Elite controller settings. I noticed that there are some really in-depth thumbstick settings in there. Have you seen those? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could edit the thumbstick settings to better mimic your mouse behavior. You know, find movements close up to change degrees, but then rapid turning left and right um that makes sense it's not i don't have a problem with it i think and, and blizzard came out and said they're going to balance each version separately yeah um that is, so that's like interesting a, whereas on pc right now widowmaker is a huge threat on console widowmaker is more of a um a solid support and like a mid-tier hero yeah whereas on console uh torborn is in like 10 percent of games that win have a torborn on the team or something crazy like that like it's a high percentage Whereas on PC, he's much more balanced because the snipers are able to like zone in and get out. I thought it was interesting. I like both versions a lot. And there's way more auto-aim on console, so it makes characters like Tracer way more of a threat. Yeah. So, I like it. So cool. you switched to keyboard and mouse on PC? Yeah, on console. Yeah. What, I mean, on which PC. do you prefer so far, Mason? PC. Mm. PC Master Hands down. Um, I just, I really, I, what is so cool about that game is uh I, I love all the heroes and i was telling alice this the other day that blizzard does this thing that they did i think i really felt it when wrath of the lich king came out but diablo 3 had this um hearthstone does this but when you are on a roll you feel like you're incredibly overpowered like in hearthstone when you combo cards really hard or in diablo 3 and i think in overwatch when you feel like you have a good grasp of a character you feel overpowered and i really like that about it but i also really like the the meta game of I see a Bastion, I need to go Roadhog, and I, I love the character swapping, and I feel like that's my, the, you know. And more and more I find myself hitting tab and looking at what the other team's makeup is. Oh, yeah. And then telling my team, that, like, we should change, you know. How how long is, like, the pregame, like, can you switch characters in, like, the pregame queue, like, before a match starts? Or is it, mm-hmm. like, you're locked into whatever character you pick initially? Uh, you can change at any time between death, any time you're in the hub. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're not uh, not out in the field, you can you can change. Uh, cool. But the one thing you don't know is you don't know what the other team is until you see them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, so it's not like Dota where you can kind of choose based on where they are. Right. So what's really cool is I've seen that you'll have a tracer run out and kind of call back what they have, and then you can swap accordingly. So if they have two bastions, fuck, we got to go back and get some either tanks or snipers oh, nice. or I, genji I, or I something seen that yet yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. not a whole lot of communication on xbox there's not i mean a bunch on pc i mean i was playing last night with evan and that was really fun nice also it does this really cool thing that when you're in a group and you're playing together um you get bonus xp 
that's so if you have a group of six you can almost double your xp because 20 percent per player is this going to be a thing where i'm going to get this game in like a week or two and you guys are going to be sick of it by then no um i i could see me playing because it's so well you're not on pc alex I'm not on pc so yeah technically yeah, it doesn't matter however i'll still be talking about it with you um what I love about this game is that I can play it for 10 minutes and it's the same experience as if I played it for two hours. You know, it doesn't fundamentally change anything if I'm just popping in for a quick hit. I really like the round length too. I think that makes it. Oh yeah. Cause I can wake up, play a game and then go do other shit. Like I, I played a game of overwatch before I went and did my sculling certification the other day. Nice. Which was, I was like, I'm, this is bad. <laughs> is there, is there no death matches at all? Objective based. Objective based. Yeah. So they also have this weekly brawl thing. Uh, it's a kind of imagine um, action sack from Halo, where it's a custom weird game type. Uh, except they only have one every week, and this week it's uh, the Super Shimada Brothers, kind of a Super Mario Brothers reference. Uh, the two characters, Genji, the cyborg ninja. Is it? It is. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, Genji, the cyborg. Just a Super Meat Boy reference. Shut up. Um, <laughs> Super Time Force? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. So Super, uh, Super Giada Sisters? There you go. Hey, yeah. fuck you, Alex, for being considerate. Die. Um, <laughs> what's it called? But yeah, there's a a weekly weird thing. Um, and so, wow. I don't know. Like, Do you want me to keep going? I, th- I think no, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. it. I, I, yeah, it's, you get it's, the gist. It's like Tavern Brawl in, um, yeah. in Hearthstone. I think it's like, just, or Rocket or, Labs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think every game basically has that now because where they just make a hopper where it's just like, all right, this is all of our experimentation stuff. Well, but also like, you know, in the beta, it was you spawn as a different hero every time, which completely changes the whole metagame because now you have no control of countering, which means that, you know, there's a random element of randomness. Sorry, Alex, keep going on in Super Shimada Bros, which is a reference to Mario. (laughs) It's uh, the Cyborg Ninja and then the Archer character, both of which are they're very weird up against each other because one is slow and has this uh, arcing projectile and the other one is is the fastest character in the game and has a bunch of reflect attacks and stuff um, and it's weird to see entire teams composed of these two characters um, hmm. yeah and like I don't like either character very much so like this one I really am not a fan of Hanzo I'm not a fan of Hanzo either I actually know I like his locomotion and all that stuff I just hate that players spam him and just randomly fire because the arrows have a bit of a, a drop to him at Dylan. Yeah. So they kind of can sit back and kind of aim up and get slightly over obstacles and I don't know. It's kind of a. I'm I'm frustrated with him the same way I'm frustrated with Junkrat, where it's just kind of like spray and pray. Yeah, I hear Junkrat's like a motor wheel, whatever that thing is, is kind Dude, of a bitch. Junkrat is my favorite character for so many reasons. And that, that motor wheel is, I feel like it's really well balanced because if you see yeah. it early enough, you can destroy it. It only has like 100 health, so you can drop it in yeah. a few shots. I need to get my computer charger. Uh, I'll be right back. So what does, um, it, what does it do? Does it explode? Yeah, it's just a it's a, it's a a guided missile. Okay. That's all it is. And then he can detonate it at any time. But what's really cool about, and uh, there's so many little touches that I like about Overwatch in terms of... Um, design and shooters that that hasn't ever been done this well which is totally what everyone says about blizzard that you constantly know what's going on in that game based on like really quick things um it's terrible way to describe it it's really easy as a player for you to read the room quickly so 
in the case of Junkrat's tire, you hear this giant engine start. Yeah. And you know as soon as you hear that, to fucking scatter. Or with, you know, everyone makes fun of McCree, he'll yell, it's high noon. And you know, like, well, I better get away. Yeah. You know, to the point where, or there's visual ones too, like um, uh, Soldier 76, big ass visor goes in front of his face. And you know, if you see that, you need to get behind cover, he's going to lock onto you. Or like, is it Reinhardt that has a huge shield? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, so. Well, and Reinh- Reinhardt's actually really fun because if you can get a team, there are characters like Reinhardt, um, Zanyada, Zanyada, the the lady tank who's big and buff. Um, yeah, a couple characters that they have abilities that synergize with the team really well, and they make it just like her ultimate is this gravity bomb, and you can pair her ultimate with like anyone. I think and just wipe the entire team. I think it's Zarya is that character. Zarya. Um, yeah, she's really it doesn't, cool. Yeah, she has like an attack where like she could. Um, the amount of damage she takes like boosts her laser. Yeah, or is that what so you the just way, said? The way that works is she has two shield functions: one that will shield a teammate, and one that shields her. And they last for about a second or two. And any damage that those shields soak up will boost her her cannon damage. And the primary fire is a laser beam. The alt fire is a grenade launcher. Um, she's huh. a really interesting character. There's a there's a lot of strategy there. Well, I'm excited to play it when I have money to spend on it. So yeah, I would prefer to broke. Uh, finish Witcher first before I dive into that. How far into Witcher are you? Mason tells me you're pretty far. I'm. I you're... I did. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. You're, the, I... the video is all out of sync, so I can't. It's hard for me to read. Oh, sorry. Um, I uh, I finished the Bloody Baron quest. Um, oh yeah, hold on, real quick. I know I said last week that I wasn't thrilled about that quest. I didn't realize how much more I had left to do because there are a couple, I guess, like, I don't know, intermissions in that quest. Where well, it yeah, because like the actual quest that's called the Bloody Baron is probably like three chains deep. And then there's all this extra stuff yeah. after the fact that actually kind of ties it back together. Yeah. And that um, made it so, so much better. Like, y- yeah. Yeah. And then, so I'm past that and, and I'll, I'll come back to the Bloody Baron, but I'm at, um, I just finished a mission with Triss was it the rats the, okay. yeah I just, in the in the, in the free city what's the free city called I always forget Novagrad Novagrad yeah I just finished if, the rats as well, to, so you and I are in the same spot did, did you guys go to the party with her yet no not yet. no uh uh-uh. I, I know what uh-huh. that is but I have not been there yet yeah so um, that's, that's a cool experience well it's funny because the Triss the rat mission she has like her fireball cast right and it mm-hmm. didn't deactivate during the cutscene, so it's just her talking, but it's just yeah, so <laughs> And then she just has her yeah, hand at her side crazy. basically li- lighting her thigh on fire. That's funny. I was, I was like, huh. She's a she's a sorceress. That's what they do. I get <laughs> they just light themselves on fire. Yep. Mm-hmm. For kicks. Yeah, yeah, um so the Bloody Baron quest I I I, get, I understand now why people like it so much. There's like Specifically, the characterization of the Baron and how he changes over the course of that uh, the quest, that entire chain. Because, you know, he could have been such a throwaway character, but they allow him to adapt and evolve. And I think a lot of that is predicated on how you approach the missions mm-hmm. and what well, choices and, you make. And as a player, too, you get a lot of agency over how you feel about him. Like, you know, right. a lot of people, like Evan, you know. I was talking to him about how he did it and, you know, spoilers for the Bloody Baron quest, but 
you know, he ended the mission with him being hung. Whereas I let oh, him wow. I let him go and, you know, I don't know, he went off in the woods. I can't really remember what I did. But he lived. And mine he uh and mine he hung himself. Yes. I, so that's one option too. I and don't I was like, think fuck. I don't think my character is going to hang himself because he just took his uh wife to some old man in the the woods or something at, to the peller to I guess the peller yeah oh shit I, 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 I might have just spoiled it for I'm sorry I didn't no know I, I no I know that that's an option because mm. um, I checked so the fiend body disappeared and I wasn't sure if I missed any kind of any cool or important drops or anything so I was looking at the end of that quest to see uh, if if the fiend gives you anything um, and I yeah. saw those endings so I I, I think. Okay. I think I have a different, either a totally different ending, or I just haven't returned yet to see him dead. Yeah, you have to go back. Um, I wouldn't worry yeah. about you... drops in that game because the main drops that matter are like monster gear for Witcher gear, but Witcher gear is always going to be the best. Like, what do you mean down. monster? Gear? Oh, like... like parts. You need parts to make Witcher gear. Yeah, and I would never like. Yeah. It sucks because later in the game you go to uh, Skellige, and they're like. Oh, thanks for helping us. We're going to present you this family sword that we've had for like hundreds of generations. And then they hand it to me and it's like two levels below me. And I'm like, well, sorry. It's just, I don't need this. <laughs> it is useless. And it was funny because like, I was like, well, I should just go to the blacksmith in front of him and break the sword down into like steel. <laughs> thanks, yeah, I got, the mich- I got the mission from Crow's Peak for going to Skellige and doing, getting the anvil or the forge or whatever it is. You get, the mystical forge. The You get a pretty... So you're going through the game at a much faster clip than I did, because I didn't get to Novigrad until like I don't know. I was in the game for a long time before I even got to Novigrad. I'm yeah. all those question marks on the map. I ignore because they're oh. not fun to do. They're not fun, dude. They're so fun. You got no, they're not. You I'd might. Like, you must be finding bad ones then. Ma- like. Maybe, but I did. I did a handful in White Orchard, <laughs> and oh. like. And, and there are ones where you, like, discover quests, like bandit camps, things like that, and then others are monster dens. But, like, the monster dens aren't that fun, and they don't really resort, reward you with that much XP. So it's much better to just do a bunch of side quests at your level and and level up at a much faster rate. And then if I want to go and adventure out and look at these bandit camps and everything, I'll, I'll do that. But I, I much prefer to going to notice boards... And getting all the side quests, and then doing those side quests in the Witcher contracts when they're at my level. But so they those feed it. That's that's it's a cool system because it it feeds into each other. So the contract boards point you to those question marks. Those question marks, a lot of times, those question marks are also the things on the the boards. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's why I figured. Like I know I know there some of them are tied together, but I'm I'm I prefer just having the notice boards. Mm. Yeah, kind of leading that. But me. I think it's cool that they offer both. Like it's, there's there's a thing there that works for you, and it points you. It's a really good way to economize the content that they make, though, because the player like you, they can go to a notice board and get the directed experience that they want. But also, like I like to just kind of like wander around and look at shit, and I can like like some of the question marks. Are, you're right, there are kind of trite, but I, I would say that a lot of them are um, not nearly as good as the strangers thing in Red Dead Redemption. But like it's kind of cool when you show up on a, a town overtaken by uh, little fucking neckers. The ghouls, yeah. and um, you kill you kill them all, and the town just moves back in, and now there's another fast travel point in a village that you can hang out in. And sometimes that yeah, I, I didn't know that was and a sometimes thing. Sometimes that leads to quests, and that's cool. Yeah, uh, Dylan. One of the ways I've been doing this, I think it's a middle ground between you and Mason. If there's an objective for me to get to, 
and there's a bunch, bunch of question marks like directly along the way whereas i would otherwise fast travel i'll go i'll like i'll ride my horse there and i'll stop at the question marks along the way like if there's enough of a reason it. for me to do that and yeah. I've, I've done that before where it's like oh there's a bandit camp right here next to this mission i'm doing i'll just stop here there is one thing off the top of my head that i know you should be seeking out which are the um what are like the pillars of power like the room oh pillars? places of power yeah because yeah. those give you an extra experience point to spend yeah um, but that game, like the curve on that game, is is super backwards in terms of difficulty. Like once you get up to like level sixteen or seventeen, you're you're pretty much like nothing can kill you. Uh, I love taking out drowners in one hit. That's probably the most so fun I, I've had I in this game. Last time that I upped the difficulty because it got to a point where I was like, which I understand like wanting to to burn through some of the combat, but like I like when I do the the Witcher contracts and like I do all this build up to fight the thing, and then I want it to like yeah, I want to utilize totally. What's your shit? Mm. I, I like so, feeling like I'm fighting at the skin of my teeth, you know, like this thing's mm-hmm. actually gonna kick my ass. Yeah, but some of those uh, combat encounters are not structured very well. Like I did that Jenny of the Ooh. Woods quest. Did you do that quest? And that yeah. thing just bum rushes you and it does not telegraph its attacks well at all. And I died. That's probably the first time I tied in like 10 hours. Or Who is this? Five to 10 hours of playing that game. Who Jenny of the Woods. It's like, it's, Oh yeah, 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 it's a it's a noon wraith, yeah. I think, right? Oh, it's a night that, wraith. That yeah. one, it's, that, it's, that's a really hard because it's also pretty early in the game, still considering like where you are. Yeah, and then like, so, like really early in the game, you right? have to use like Yarden or whatever. Um, yeah, but still, I love and all, I hate oh. I hate all the spell names. Really, I can't tell any of them apart. I know Igni's the fire one because that makes sense because like ignite and then all the other ones might as well just be the same word. Well, they're all Polish. It's like you had a problem yeah. with doo-doo, and I was like trying to, like, you're, it's just the name. <laughs> you'll, the, you'll get used to it. Well, no, but I think it's, 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 I think CD Project Red has to be a little faithful to the books. Oh, yeah. No, I realized that that was probably a, a character that exists in the book, but still, it's, it's named doo-doo. Well, like, come on. a lot of them, I mean, it's these Polish, that's Polish, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe do maybe, right. maybe yeah, doo-doo it, you know, for like international a, audiences. God, it's the name for God. Well, Dude is a really cool character, and uh, you know, which one is? Du- I don't think. Does I've, he show a, up? I don't he's think a, I've encountered Dude yet. Oh, he's a Doppler. He's a Doppler, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. he's really cool. Oh, hold on. There's one sequence later in the game that, and I won't spoil it, but like he came in, and I was like, that was fucking cool. So you know, I like Zoltan. Oh, Zoltan. This is a cool Zoltan. Zoltan rocks. This is the coolest Zoltan I've ever met. Aw, Jesus. <laughs> God. When do you like that that's, one? That's whatever. What? Zolt, 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 <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's the guy I rode with. Um, oh, okay, yeah. And he's, you know, he's a good guy. He's very, 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 very fast. Um, he's, he's a very nice guy. So, but he's also not as cool as a little dwarf. Zoltan, I love Zoltan. I love... With a I, love uh, I like Dandelion. Dandelion's cool. Have you guys found Dandelion yet? Oh, Dandelion's great. See, that's the one thing. I'm on the mission to get him. I, I haven't encountered him yet, so but he's, I mean, he's one of the main characters in the entire series. Is it really? So I wish, it's kind of a bummer that you guys didn't play one and two because it's sweet for me. I played I played half of two, and you, you know I read the book. No, I know so that, but I'm saying like the um, the relationship that like I, as a Witcher player, has with the characters is like I, what I have with Garrus and Tally in Mass Effect 3. 
where like mm. you're finally it, it feels bigger than it, it it does because these are like you know you've been through you've been through this shit with them so i like that a lot and i like that they're a significant part of the story it might it might incentivize me to go back and try witcher I, 2 again um, i don't know we'll see i mean the the coolest dude uh witcher 2 is such a it's so cumbersome by comparison uh Dude, compare Witcher said, 3. Might. Witcher 3 is fast and light. Witcher 2 is a pain in the ass. I, I really like Witcher 2, but I understand. I mean, I think what actually what I liked about Witcher 2 more than I like about Witcher 3 is that there's a part between Acts, um, I think Acts 1 and 2, where like a decision that you make significantly changes that entire, like you, you miss like a third of the game if you choose one thing over the other thing. And they swap them out. So like if you choose. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. So, and you guys, have you guys met Vernon Roach? The, I know the horse. Who, I know who he is. I didn't yeah. realize he. I didn't realize he was the, the horse's third one. first name is Vernon. No, well, and there's Roach the horse too, but um, Vernon Roach is like, uh, what was his fate at the end of the second game? Well, so that's the thing is that you you play a major role in that, and um, he lives, but you can side with the elves over Roach, and I side with Roach. Oh, oh sweet, because Roach <laughs> is like my bro, and he's yeah. he's like he's like Witcher special forces, and he has all these guerrilla warriors. Oh, they're so sweet. But um, he's him and him and Geralt are like the um, the Geralt. the the super guys of the north. So, are, is he one of the? Wait, is he a Witcher? No, he's um, oh okay. He's part of Rodania. Okay, all right. I haven't dealt with Rodania at all. Rodania. I keep hearing about like how much of an asshole their leader no. is. No, 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 no. The Valeria. The Valeria. No, it's not Rodania. Valerian Steel. Redanians are the assholes who's the king that's like super uh, He's like killing all the mages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Vernon Roach is for the shit. Anyway, there it's just I like his character a lot. He's like he's like my Garrus. I think it does the Tamarian, game does Tamarian. Okay. The game does characterizations very well. I mean, um going back to the Blade Baron quest, I think the Baron himself is done very well. I don't think his wife and his daughter are done nearly as well, because they that. don't set they don't set the mission they don't set the quest up in such a way that you understand the timeline of the events that happen, like how they're spaced apart. Mm. So you find his daughter, and he's she's like now with the witch hunters, and I was kind of like, wait, how much time has passed? Because I was under the impression it was like a couple days, a week maybe, but it makes it seem like it's they've been gone for months. It's there's a lot of confusion there, and instead of mm. like building you up into these characters like they do with the Baron, they kind of just throw you into them, which makes sense to a certain extent because you're kind of like you have to kind of jump in in media res with those two characters as opposed to the other one. They build up the 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 mother better, I think, because you go to the to the swamp and stuff. But I feel like the daughter just kind of was like thrown in there. I I uh, yeah I'd, I'd agree. I I agree with you on the the timing. It is hard to tell. That, that threw me off, too. I was like, oh, his daughter is an adult with a life. And the fact that the Baron changes his story so many times, like, because, you know, you come up and ask him, at least in mine, I don't know how, how much differently this can play out, but he's like, all right, tell me the truth. And he's like, all right, I beat my wife. And it's like, and that might have caused her to um, have a miscarriage. 
and then you come back you're like all right tell me the truth he's like actually we've never really had a good relationship because of all this other stuff and maybe i didn't cause a miscarriage i was like why would you why would that be your second story why wouldn't that be the first story where it makes you sound like a better person why would your first story be i beat my wife and possibly caused her to miscarry but I, and not I, I think that what i really like about the mission though is that like he's he's so tormented that like that is something that he's having oh yeah i, I really i really did and i i like that it, you know, you talk about like the unexpected, but I think that how that quest line wraps up is is you know it makes the bloody Baron seem like a pretty tortured dude. Right, and he comes across think, so jolly when you meet him. And yeah, I, I really did and, like that. And I think I think a lot of that's done well. I just think some of the structure just makes it confusing. It wasn't it wasn't as clean cut as it could have been, but it was by no means like poorly done. No, I think I think that's fair. I think um. I really liked the kind of slow, slow pulling back of the curtain with his family, maybe a little more because I kind of liked that it felt natural for me to kind of to 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 learn about the Bloody Baron from the community. You know what I mean? But as I get involved, like I, I really do like, especially in, in games where you're, you're making decisions with not all the information and unreliable characters, it that seems more real to me of like if you're like if you're a criminal investigator, which is what, you know he is a lot of times you know you don't have the full story so i don't know i which which is why at least with mine i did not pass like any judgment like until near the very end where i was like i need like every scrap of information i could possibly get before saying like no you're a piece of shit which i don't think he was but yeah i i think i i aired on the side of so i I take issue with a couple times in that game where i i've like i'm like trying to do the right thing and I think this is by design too that you try to do the right thing and you end up just fucking everything up, and like the, the place was better off before Mason Witcher showed up. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely by design. I think like it, it's hard to make everything fit the right way. There have been a couple times, even in my short playthrough so far, where there is no right answer. That's a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. And I was telling Mason this. I especially like the way they write his dialogue options that is just it's just no matter what you pick it sounds like uh Geralt where like you know it's Geralt and and Ma- Geralt I hate all of oh, them stop yeah. it Mason god damn it <laughs> I don't I'll never know all right so Gerald Geralt. No. Um, <laughs> Jerry all right so my boy Jerry he Geralt. always sounds like Jerry um, but like in Mass Effect, like Commander Shepard, like they have to give you dialogue options, like six different dialogue options, depending on how you want that character to sound. Or like in Fallout, like you have to constantly, they have to prepare, like, I don't know what, you know, personality they want to portray their avatar as. So we have to give all these different options. But for Geralt, it's, it's much more narrow. And I really like that. It's like, okay, this is kind of the nicer option, but he still sounds like a dick, and this is just kind of the straight-up dick option. And, <laughs> well, and he just wants to get information. I don't think they're letting... It's not that, as much as that you are making your own character as much as you're just influencing the things that he could do. You know what I mean? Right, which is... I like that a lot better. Me well, too. And I like that... Because... because oh, go ahead. Well, it's cut since they can focus in so much more i think they it helps with the characterization unlike with these other characters where they have to account for all these possible options Mm -hmm. for what the player wants to role play as it becomes a lot more uh shallow um and and also when when real choices do come up they're that much more there's weight to them 
as opposed to in some games where it's hard to tell what you like uh, Telltale games where it's hard to tell what you're influencing what you're not influencing which is is, is, a, is another I think that's fine I think it's a cool thing too but I think I like the Witcher style of like alright I can see the fork in the road a little bit I gotta make you know yeah I gotta make some fucking decisions um cool and with that I take my headphones off I gotta take my sweatshirt off Alex turned the AC off so I'm hot It'd be way, way too much buzz. This is for you, Dylan. Mason, Me. Mason and I are suffering for you. I could probably take it out. I have the, I have the fan running in here, like because the vent is just a huge pipe that goes over our ceiling. It doesn't well, really also, pick up. Mason, no, you don't have to turn. Off. Mason is wearing a sweatshirt in the middle of the summer, so I'm always cold. I'm always freezing. Um, but yeah, Witcher three. Uh, so I, I beat the game, the main story, and when I texted you guys, I was like, that was fucking sweet. I got the bad ending, and I really want you guys to beat that game. I still think the I'm I'm going to. That's why I don't want to get up get Overwatch because I want to finish this first. And the the ending it ramps at a pretty you know it's funny because you think you're going into the ending and you really have like seven hours to go, but it's still a sweet sweet ramp, <laughs> and I liked it a lot. But I went and watched the other endings, um, and I might go try to get like the ending that I want. Because I want to like leave the world in that state, you know. But I just thought there's some cool touches in the in the the bad ending that I just it was really well done um, writing for that part, and I really I want to talk about it. But just go beat it. All right. Well, I'll I'll I'll. I mean, if you say I'm I'm going through this at a decent clip, I'll see. Yeah, you are. How much longer it might take me? Would you end the game? What level were you? 33 all right so i'm like 13 so but you you, the main story missions give you the most xp so you kind of you can move through at a clip that's pretty quick um but yeah and then gwent is the shit and i don't know why you guys don't play gwent i haven't touched gwent (laughs) i haven't haven't touched it either although i actually i did look at it and i checked the rules out and it does seem pretty cool yeah, my quest for Velen for it's like play all the players in Velen updated when the Bloody Baron died. I was like, oh, yeah, because you can get a card from him. Uh. There's a couple oh, of quests shit. later in the game too that uh, if you're good at Gwent, it can. There are routes that you can instead of like fighting your way through, you can play your way through, or it's pretty cool. Trial by Gwent. I choose you, Yu-Gi-Oh. Pretty much. But you guys play anything else? Overwatch, Witcher, Game of Life, uh, nothing beyond that. Yeah, I haven't been playing anything. What about Son of Nor? You still playing that? <laughs> nope. Uh, they're they're having me. Uh, they haven't asked me for any more stuff on that. They're kind of like, we'll call you if we need you. So that's cool. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if anything else comes of that. Um, the I'm gonna go back to Fallout after. Well, no. So I have Blood and Wine. Apparently Blood and Wine is amazing. And then I want to go back to Fallout. But What level does Blood and Wine start at? Uh, is it meant to be total post-game content or could I... Heart of Stone starts at 32. Okay. I think you need to be at the end game. But you can, I mean, you can make a, it'll make a new file for you just for Blood and Wine if you want to just play huh, that. That's cool. Cause like it's like a, a instance thing, and also Blood and Wine's ending is apparently like the ending ending, 
So got it. I um when I played New Vegas the first time. I made the mistake of playing uh, Old World Blues way too early, <laughs> and I was stuck in Old World yeah. Blues, just constantly dying. Uh, dude, I loved all of that DLC. Oh, I'd, man. I had to completely restart my game. Oops. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a, that's a rough DLC section. Like it's it's hard. That and um uh, what's the name oh, of the, sh- the the casino one? The one where you break into the casino. What's that one called? Oh fuck, I don't remember. Dead Money. Dead Money Dead is money. hard as hell because they just throw you in stripping you of all of your stuff except for a gun and there are enemies everywhere it's like all right have fun what's the one just what's the one with the native americans uh uh, lonesome rose the other one um yeah pocahontas no it's called (laughs) shut up disney's pocahontas (laughs) it's um shit the burn man's like that the character that's in it okay man new vegas this is stuff i played like in 2012 2013 like that academic year uh fun fact i've never stopped thinking off of the academic calendar ever since i graduated college <laughs> honest hearts is what the game's called okay nice yeah um all right mason says he's gonna reconnect it's lagging too badly bye bye mason bye mason all right mason's gone so now we can talk all kinds of smack about him oh wait he's yeah. back oh shit no, it's too 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 fast. It's still lagging. I think um, it just might be distance. I want to try. I, hear, I just don't look at it. I got shit shit Pittsburgh internet. Shitsburgh. Um, I don't have that files. <laughs> so far, the internet's been pretty okay. So it's not bad, but I had like my internet in Richmond is ri- ridiculous. We're fast. well aware that your internet in Richmond is like the be all end all of American internet. You're burning through your pipe with all this Overwatch play. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I, I had like the most like web developer moment today though, when I was going through and updating uh, some stuff, and I pushed my site to go live, and like I pushed it through my, my repo, you know? Uh-huh. And like usually it's like instantaneous, so I don't really pay attention to when it pushes, and like four minutes later I see the notification that it, it pushed, and I just got like irrationally angry. <laughs> I was like, what? What is this? Why did it take four minutes to load flat index HTML files? What's my bit rate? <laughs> Oh man! So I've become uh, the people. Mason, I'm I don't know if you saw. Uh, this is a deep local thing, Dylan. Um, in the, I think the org chart, we're listed as UX slash CT. Uh, so, so that's <laughs> no, that's, that's right. it's inter- interesting. So we're gonna be working on not just UX stuff, but creative technology as well. I I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. You said CT. CT. Commonwealth uh, Times. Yeah, because Patrick's a CT. I wrote for Commonwealth Times. What? For three years. I was a crime reporter. Commonwealth uh, Times is the VCU paper. That, that, that's a hard beat. Um. Well, and Deep Oak was trying to hire a CT, so I think that's why they're listed that way. But when I interviewed with them, they were telling me they want um someone to come up with ways to integrate physical and digital stuff. That's Sweet. what they were... That's what my interview is mostly about. I mean, we didn't talk a lot about UX stuff. We need an analog digital master. Hey, that sounds like us. Let's do it. I'm pumped. Anything? Anything? The report on the on the job side. Uh, can, is there start, anything you can talk about at all? Well, uh, we start tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And I will say that there's going to be a whole bunch of just stuff we cannot talk about in general because non-disclosure agreements and all that. Um, but you know. 
so far i really dig the people i i really dig the workplace um the projects seem cool from what i've heard um yeah i'm i'm really excited to get started tomorrow cool i just want to use their cnc router that's all i really i'm here for the cnc router what's the cnc router it's like a a a, a computer or it's a Something computational number cutter, I think is what it stands for. But basically, yeah, it's for like cutting wood and metal. Yes, but you, you can you can put in That's you give it really a cool. CAD file. Yeah. And so neat. I'm trying to buddy up with some of the engineering interns and be like, hey, let's go, let's go cut some metal, man. Hey, you want to make a metal penis? <laughs> it... I I legitimately was looking up the other day how to make um like you can build your own AC unit out of a cooler. I was trying to figure out how you did that. But it turns out it doesn't work very well because, like, the principle of air conditioning is that you need to, to suck air out of a room yeah. and bring in new yeah. air and dehumidify it. So this is just, like, more like a, a fan with ice in it. But it is <laughs> my, cool. my family, their AC on the second floor of their house has been out for, like, better part of a year. And so they have one of those, like, movable units. It's not a window unit. It's, like, a standing unit. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there's, like, a huge pipe that comes out the back of it. They have to, like, prop it up against the window so it shunts all the air I've outside. I've been seeing that a lot more over the last couple of years. Oh. It must be getting popular. So that's why I never go home. Popular. What is Mason doing? He's clicky-clacking. What am I doing? Clickety-clackety. Oh. Yeah, it's por- porn Sorry. fix. <laughs> uh, I'm to turn off I am so so mortified <laughs> right now. <laughs> the fact that you pan down to your pants like that, oh, it was perfect. Visual humor. What are you talking about what on, else on is a podcast? Dog? I uh, I was trying to turn off my desktop so the Wi-Fi in my room was better. Yeah. Uh, nothing. But yeah, deep local. It it seems really. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Talking. no, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say this earlier that like one of my favorite DLCs for Fallout Three. Was the pit, and that was in Pittsburgh. Um, and everyone, everyone hated the pit. Do you see any landmarks? No, nah, I don't. Dude, the pit was like all in like a big steel mill. Like the whole well, DLC was, which makes the, sense. What's the pit about? It's about like you're, slave you're ownership. A slave, yeah. But I, I like any game where, um, because I always play like a stealth character. So anytime they strip you of all your shit, like all my skills are still super useful. So I can just like bloop bloop, and I feel like a badass I'll, prison breaker. I was getting fucked up in Dead Money. It was it was not a good scene. Yeah. Oh, it's cool though. So, um, in the Fallout ma- Fallout Three main uh game, you know how the collectibles are bobbleheads, Alex. Mm-hmm. And the pit, the collectibles are steel ingots, huh. which is really cool. Neat. And then at the end of Dead Money, you get into this vault, right? Because that's the whole point. You're breaking into this casino that has like this really high tech uh, security system. There's just a table filled with gold bars that are like 15 pounds each and go for like a couple thousand caps. So depending on how much like weight you have at the end of that DLC, you're just trying to load up on as many <laughs> gold bars as possible and just try to like slowly walk out of the mission area <laughs> and back into the main hub. Or you just open the um, nice. the command line thing and set weight limit to 9999999999. <laughs> <laughs> give you unlimited weight uh let me get all these achievements while i'm at it all right done that's a mod dylan you should install for the witcher 3 because that makes that game way more enjoyable what command I line bet. no the the durability or not durability but the weight yeah you can do uh overnight it's like called like over nine thousand, <laughs> and it's uh it's pretty good 
But there's two mods. There's one that it auto loots when you walk oh, on bodies. Oh man! That... Oh, I need that. I need that in my life. So, when you can you can get the Nexus mod manager and it'll find the directory for you and do it all for you. So it's pretty easy. But I would definitely that you know, I don't mind weight management in games, but The Witcher Three it doesn't add anything to the experience to have a Geralt. Geralt. There you um, go. Geralt. No. <laughs> Geralt Jerry. wire. <laughs> Jerry. Fat Jerry. So. so yeah sorry dylan how's richmond uh still standing despite you guys not being here so uh we'll see we'll see how it yeah, goes i, I over bartered the summer. with the the local bandits to to not attack until i came back and could fight them oh off. How, how nice of you yeah you're welcome yeah uh nothing's nothing's really going on over here just enjoying my newfound freedom freedom it's, like, it's, it's nice yeah dog Wendy says we need help moving. We're gonna, we're gonna be moving this month, so. Did you, oh, you, you signed the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That place over on Elwood. Talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I had a thing that I want to talk about. Um, if you guys want to, I have a topic. No. Let me hear the topic. No. Let's hear it. Uh. So, no. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry no. for trying to have cohesive what do you, what do you podcast. Have, <laughs> Carry on. Let's talk about Elwood. <laughs> no, what do you have? Um, so I was thinking about this the other day is that there's a thing in games where, and I think that we, we fall, uh, I thought it was interesting for the, the three of us and, and Dan, um, that there's, in games, there's uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a description of depth, Right. There's 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 mechanical depth and there's narrative depth, and I was wondering. I think The Witcher Three is a game that I really enjoy because there's a, a a a sense of mechanical depth, but also a narrative depth that makes the experience really satisfying. Um, but also I think there are games that uh, maybe you guys would get turned off to that I really enjoy that are are, are super super systematically deep, like a, a Company of Heroes or a uh, a Starcraft Two. FTL is not that deep systems wise. Uh, it's, it's not shallow. Um, Actually, yeah, it's pretty shallow. But uh, but also what's what's cool about FTL from a narrative standpoint is that I think there is some narrative depth. But I was wondering kind of where you guys felt like, you know, I really like games that have codexes like Mass Effect or Dragon Age and have that that deep world building. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, what what's the sweet spot like from a uh, either mechanical depth or a narrative depth that you like to come into? So, I, I think specifically Witcher hits the sweet spot with its codex because, um, I there's a purpose to reading the best the bestiary, and I can read the the character stuff when I feel like it. It's not integral to the game or to the story. I still get enjoyment of the story through cinematics and gameplay, but you take something like Destiny that you know, due to a writer leaving the team had all of its story plopped into those, uh, the grimoire cards like that's, that's when things start to get iffy for me because it, you know, once you get there, it's really cool, but it's really easy to miss that and, and just think that there's no lore or story there, especially since it's external to the game. Yeah. So totally. you have to do all this extra legwork to get to it. Mm -hmm. For me, I really like the bestiary and the character stuff in Witcher three because it's, um, the way it's written, 
since there's it's this third person narrative. Yeah, I really like that, and I like how it updates. Like because so it's 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 based on what happened. Yeah, it's written in a past tense, but for us it's present tense because we just committed these actions to history. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a really unique, interesting way to have done all that's that. Cool, yeah. Um, here's another. Well, it's, it's it's nice. Oh, good. Another example. Um, Overwatch. All of its story and all of its lore is outside of the game itself. You know the animated shorts, the uh, you know the just character info and story comes from seeking it out. At, uh, you know their digital comics and stuff. Um, but that I was very motivated to do that just because of how compelling it was. I think it's really well done. I just don't. I'm not crazy about it being not in the game. Oh yeah, I don't like the fact that's not in the game. I think that's a that's a that's a haphazard solution to that. Ah shit! What? Fuck! I gotta stop recording. My thing stopped recording. All right, cool. Swear to God. <laughs> Am I doing it right? It's perfect. All right. Anyways, as I was saying earlier, oh man, I think I, I need. A I shouldn't do that. That's stupid. Um. Can you guys like feed me coffee intravenously through the podcast? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's that's something. I just I, I I one thing I want you to do is I want you to try to relax, Alex. I am so relaxed right now; it's incredible. So okay, let's talk. Let's go back. So Zelen, you can start it back up here. Okay, come back to it. Uh uh um, uh uh. So anyways. What I was, what I wanted to get to those are other games that either had you know either narrative depth that you really liked or or mechanical depth, or or both you know that you really were either drawn to or that that really worked for you. I mean, I or feel like having that you know one. Oh, good. I feel like having both is is a, a mark of a compelling game, and mm-hmm. and when you have when you lack one or the other, it's very noticeable. Um, I think one company that can I get away with that. Well, I said it's noticeable. I didn't say it made for a bad game. Um, one company that gets away with this is Telltale. Yeah, their games mechanically are not that deep at all, but narratively, uh, it, and I mean, you actually make the argument that that some are not narratively deep. I've heard the Game of Thrones one has like a single story that you follow without much variance, um, but these seem narratively deep um, to some degree at the expense of mechanical depth. Unless you could think that the the narrative stitching together is a mechanic, but I think that there are games that you can you can you can have depth in either and still succeed. Um, oh, totally. And in a way that's not even super noticeable. I think the or you get the flip side where like you have a game like Civilization where there is no narrative other than the narrative that you create through the mechanics, which I think is another thing that only games can do. Um, or an XCOM like there's a story in XCOM, but the real drama is the the drama happening. In your campaign, yeah, it says water cooler moments, right? Uh, um, I mean, for me, it's it kind of depends on like what you define as narrative depth, because I mean, when we say Telltale might have the most narrative depth, what does that mean? Does that mean that you have the most agency, or does it mean that like that it's well written, or does it mean that like your choices? 
you know, there's there's a lot of variable outcomes in in the story because I would, I would have thought the first one. Yeah. Narrative richness. Because Yeah, that's that that's how I see it. Because when you describe depth, I mean and we compare it to mechanics, something having me- uh, mechanical depth that means has you know numerous layers it has like you know systems kind of built in and intertwined with one another that you can think of but in with narrative I, I don't think that's the case with mechanics okay wow I think you can have you can have um I think that uh what's that game the the fencing game Nidhogg Nidhogg I think Nidhogg is a a, a very there's, there's a depth to the mechanics even though the mechanics are pretty flat you know what I mean? There's a high attack, a low attack, and a mid attack, but the way that you interact with them, that game that game is deeper mechanically almost because of its simplicity. You know what I mean? So I, I but I, I get where, I get where yeah. you're going. I see it's hard to compare apples to oranges. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like you know, is there is there something to a game that that really sticks like I think that uh Bioware in the first Mass Effect just, just really did this great world building. You know what I mean? They made the space opera. But I mean, the A to B narrative in Mass Effect is is a, is a normal space opera. You know what I mean? Right. Um, like I would say most the characterizations you see in most Telltale games kind of beats out stuff you see in Mass Effect. Like, yeah, there are characters and like they're 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 rounded to an extent, but sometimes, especially you know, especially the narrative. Like, I wasn't like making if, this a discussion were, of who's better and who's worse. By the way, I don't I don't think because I I think there are characters in Mass Effect that that are rival of some of the the Telltale characters. Yeah, and you know, and and they have you know, classic moments. And my goal wasn't to like compare quality; it's just making me think. You know, if there's a depth, then there has to be you know a bottom, or in this case, a top. You know, a shallow. in terms of, yeah, like what's the deep end of the pool and what's the deep, and what's the shallow end of the pool. And so I was just trying to think through that because I mean, we could think of narrative as in like all of these options and intertwining and how much agency you have on it, or you could think of narrative as in just like okay, good characterization, you know, a unique plot that isn't but, you know cookie cutter and predictable and things like that. I think you have to, you can look at it in that broad space the same way you look at game mechanics in a broad space because I think as a player, you know, the GTA story is still the GTA story. The Telltale game story is still a story to the end. The player's not thinking through like, well, they built this world up, they did this and this. The player's just engaging in experience. So I'm saying like, you know, what games do we think that either go too far in the world, which I can think of a few that go, that really lean on their world building and don't have a good maybe narrative backbone or games Mm -hmm. that mechanically are, are excellent, but also have like a really strong narrative component or that are weak in both and they just are objectively just bad games. Here's an interesting one mm-hmm. for you. What about Journey on uh, PS3 and PS4? What are we What are we evaluating? I, I um, evaluating it on the scales of, of sound effects, narrative, and gameplay. Because that's a game where you know you're placed in a world. You have a character, uh, minimal if any lore. I've never played it. I I know just enough to be able to talk about it. Um, the story in that game is the one you make yourself or with the other you know person that you encounter um and the gameplay is limited to movement um a single like ping communication and jumping uh and the uh, the um stuff with the scarf um yet it, it's a from what everyone has said it's an incredibly fulfilling experience 
Well, I, I think that kind of that game kind of hits the same spot that like just playing Minecraft survival mm-hmm. mode hits, where it's just it, it it does this space very well. And what Alex and I were talking about last week with uh, no what No Man's Sky is probably going to do the best of is that it's just going to make you feel that you're actually in this space. You know, there might not be anyone around you or in, um, or there might, but you know, it might be very limited. It's not an MMO, but the world still feels alive just because of the way they constructed it. It's very meticulous in its art direction and style. I I really, really wish that game was an MMO or it just at least allowed you to play in the same realm as other people. Um, at least unless I'm uh, mistaken you, you, you're you just playing by yourself for which one? No Man's Sky you are. it's like asynchronous yeah so like you'll see other players effects on the world no no wait yeah because you, you can't play it's not co-op in any way or shape or form like you can't actually see other people in the world are you sure? because I'm pretty sure I'm I'm not certain but I'm, I'm pretty sure because I think the thing about No Man's Sky is that there you can see other player avatars, but you guys you spawn so far away from one another when the game starts because there are billions of planets that like the likelihood of you discovering another player is slim. I I'm not I sure. See, I think that that came out because there are some weird statements that came out when they were still super super early in production in that game, and they didn't know. But if the game is as vast as they say it is, and it's all computer generated, why would they go through the effort of making either like a peer to peer client that like you could you could see where the cl- the person is. Or like connect them to a server and, and spawn where their player character is. If it happens point zero one percent of the time. Well, I mean, if it's all server based, anyways, because yeah. a lot of the information they have to keep in the cloud, maybe that wouldn't be as a difficult challenge. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see the characters show up, like, and they didn't fable or in Dark Souls, where you just see little glimpses of ghosts. Yeah. 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 But I don't, I don't think they'd go through the work of like. This is my No Man's Sky drive avatar. Just burning up dust on this planet. <laughs> so, and what, what got me thinking about this 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 topic though is that I was I played the intro to Uncharted Four because I ran it the other day. Uh huh. And Uncharted is a game where like the narrative, you know, you you come to it for this this story. You know what I mean? Like, and the and the gameplay is is serviceable, but I wasn't the the shooting is serviceable. the The game itself is pretty fun. But I still think that I was I was just playing the game to get from essentially like I was playing the climbing thing just to see the next set piece or to see the next thing. And that's a game that I think could benefit from someone stepping back and being like, how do we make Uncharted as interesting as the narrative is? Right. You know what I mean? And that's I was, I was thinking of like, what are games where like one is one like a Telltale game could be more interesting to me if you had more. I don't know though, because I think the Telltale have created this like weekly show style format of like I'm gonna sit down to play a Telltale game, and maybe that's okay. But I'm just trying to think of like, games that you know if they could spend more time on one or the other that would benefit overall. Yeah, I've heard um, Uncharted Four or the Uncharted series in general's gameplay is very spongy, um, or the shooting like the specifically. Shooting? Yeah, hmm. how does it compare to like is Last of Us a better shooter? Or more enjoyable on the gameplay front? I don't think Last of Us is a good shooter. But I think, you know, what Uncharted and The Last of Us does very well is that you it creates these these encounters where you can get around. You know, you have a lot of free roam. And I think it works really well in Last of Us because stealth is such a, a 
key component, and you very rarely get like knockdown, drag out, mm-hmm. shootouts. Um, which is why I think people, I think that game resonated so well because it's so making the player feel like a survivor is a really easy thing to not easy. I shouldn't say easy, but it's it's well worn territory in games. You know what I mean? Like we have several games where you you make a character scrimp because it has resource management, uh, low health, high risk, high reward removers. You know what I mean? Like from a gameplay mechanic standpoint, it's easy to, to pass that feeling of like we're on the brink. But for Uncharted, you're essentially a superhero, but you're also an everyday guy, and and, and I think that's a harder thing to convey. Who kills so many? Well, people. yeah, but you know. I don't. I don't mind. It's like the same argument. You, oh, go ahead. You, you can you can give for like it. It doesn't bother me that much. Yeah, but I mean, it's like the same thing that you could see for like you know, action movies. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's. I was just saying, I don't. I don't take a problem with the Uncharted action movie vibe. I'm saying I want the Uncharted game where while I'm playing it, it feels like I'm playing Doom, where I'm just in complete fucking control of the situation because I'm the action star. Right. Or. I'm 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 Nathan Drake and I I shouldn't be here anyways. So I'm just scrambling to figure it out. And they kind of you know they make moving around and stuff really easy in combat. But I just I feel like I don't have that sense of uh, motion forward that the narrative has because the narrative comes in even when you're in game and they do that really well. In game narrative when you're just walking around spaces and stuff, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know and I I just. I almost feel like they're being weighed down by this. They have this combat loop that they've had in the series for so long. They they can't really revamp. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I agree. Like if if Uncharted was more puzzle based, it might be more interesting. Like because I when I've seen the Un- Uncharted stuff, I think the most fascinating part is when they're trying to solve these these ancient puzzles. Maybe if it was more on the scaling, maybe if uh, Nathan Drake was more of a rock climber character or something well, than like action hero treasure hunter and what i played which was still the intro and i got finally like i mean i felt like i got through the prologue and i was on like, like chapter four maybe i'd say it was like 70 percent climbing and stuff and 30 percent shooting so it's not they they definitely don't lean on the shooting but i'm saying that like i think i just want that same sense of i want it to feel like they're 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 two sides of this this double helix you know what i mean I don't know why I yeah. said double helix. I was thinking of the Xbox fucking game plan. Yeah, the Project Helix. Project Helix. Uh, um, how far? So, how, where are you specifically in, in Uncharted? In Uncharted Four. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I returned it, so I'm not anywhere. But I. Uh, let's see. Where was I? I. So the brother had just come back, and we are now going to that that scene. Um, where you're at the the art gallery. Oh, so I, I made okay. That. Wow. I, I All made, right. You know. Yeah. Um. So, so did you see the reference they made to Uncharted One in those earlier chapters, which I thought was really clever? Mm, I played Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. No, so, um, Alex, I'm I'm going to spoil a very early section of this for it. game for you. Um, that's okay. There's a part where he, where he's in prison. Uh-huh. They purposely get themselves imprisoned uh, in Panama. I love that whole uh, to try to find this treasure. It was pretty cool. 
And then I saw someone on, on Twitter post a picture from Uncharted 1, like the very first scene when Nathan Drake and Elena are on the boat and they're like pulling something out of the water. And Nathan Drake looks back at Elena and goes, obviously you've never been in a Panamanian prison before. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's funny. So well, I thought that was really cool. And I will say there are, there are glimpses in the combat mechanics that are what I was talking about, where you really feel like you're part of this bigger action movie. Like when you're in the Panama prison, you're in these like, these brawls right and sometimes your brother will come over when you're getting like grappled and just rip him off and then you both like slam him down and that it just looks yeah it, it, you feel like you're i just i wish it was a hundred percent that not 20 percent that which is really hard like i mean you know i'm and i'm sure they'll figure if anyone can figure it out it's not a dog um but i think i'm also I, curious like what kind of like no go ahead you go oh i'm just saying that i i really felt that like i really loved playing the last of us and I really love watching Uncharted 4. You know what I mean? I think that that's how yeah. I would describe my... The grappling hook is As fucking As someone who dope. watched all the cutscenes... Oh, God. Here we go again. For Uncharted 4. <laughs> I had this debate with Mason in the car yesterday. It's really good. The story's really good in Uncharted 4. And I'd still play it. I appreciate Uncharted 4. But... As, you should appreciate it. As someone who doesn't own a PlayStation 4... I'm not going to drop almost $400 to play the single game. Hey, man, it's two against one. If Dan was here, he'd come. He'd be right with me. Yeah, well, you also did the same thing with comic books, you hypocrite. Me? No, no Mason. I, I, Mason, I reads, take... Mason reads the plots of comic books uh, on the internet, which is the exact same thing as what we're doing. And I mean, I mean, I know you're looking for like a gotcha moment for me. I'm not, I'm not arguing. No, I'm not, other, for, I'm not looking I for do, a gotcha moment. I'm just making think, a legitimate point. Um that the, I well if you could explain the difference to me that might help your case I don't I well so my my case is is that the 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 um what are you doing though <laughs> I don't know oh so the the comics that I have read um on Wikipedia and this is you know it sounds like I'm, I'm reeling back but are the ones that aren't easily accessible through digital because I, I have the you, Marvel you digital can get literally anything you can get anything on comicsology right now I don't know, man. Well, then I guess I'm just a giant fucking hypocrite. I won't chastise anyone for spoiling themselves on anything on the internet because I've both watched entire video game cutscenes on YouTube and read the entire bl- plots of superheroes on Wikipedia. So. Yeah, Mason, I'm not saying don't do that. I I wholeheartedly commend it because oh, if you I, I don't have the money to give to the creative team, my that- argument that watching Uncharted Four is 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 not the same as playing it and there's also but it's also one of the highlights of that game is its narrative and that's one of the main value propositions that game makes and i think that watching it takes away from the developers mm-hmm. that put money into it hmm. that's all i'm saying we don't have to go back down this route i think that watching yeah i think that watching videos on youtube though is a a uh not the ideal way and i don't think any of you would <laughs> an activity agree. for lesser people no i don't i mean well, i don't think it's like, I well, just, well agree to disagree um, but I think the silver lining here is that all of us want to make sure that developers get money um, and are, are compensated for their work, which is why we don't do things like buy used games from GameStop and we, you know, we make sure we don't pirate titles and, and shit like that. So, you know, th- this could be far, far worse. I'm just going to drag this Super Nintendo emulator into the trash everywhere. <laughs> drop it in. All right. And empty trash. Yes. All right. 
I I understand where everyone's coming from. I I um I, the thing that blows my mind. I don't know if we talked about this or if you remember when uh the witness came out. There were full on like support threads for the witness among these these parts of the dark web where piracy was a thing. Uh, you know, these people will be pirating the game and have trouble with it. It's like, oh, why can't I get to work? Well, why don't you actually just pay for the game and then ask the developer yourself? Right. My favorite thing to see developers do is for them to break purposely break their game mm-hmm. when the DRM gets broken. And like it's, it could it could be innocuous stuff. Like I I don't know what game it was, but in one game they take the avatar and put an eye patch on them. <laughs> so if the DRM is broken, the character just permanently has an eye patch the entire game. Yeah, or Serious Sam with the giant scorpion thing. Do you see this? Uh huh. So in one of the sequels to Serious Sam, if you pirated it, it would install a giant, like unkillable murder scorpion that would it was like a centaur scorpion thing that would follow you around and wherever you went anywhere in the game or the level it would try to murder the, murder the shit out of you because you had stolen the game i would love to do something like that for game for any games we make i just i have no idea how you would trace something like that you purposely leak the game yourself um a separate build Oh, uh, that's right. That's what I so would. you see it. Or you have like a, a DRM check that is like super, super, super small. It just like pings a server if it's like a val- like if it's a Steam, but you know what I mean. I think. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, I imagine they're purposely leaking their game because they know it's going to leak. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Alex the Witness? No. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Someone uh, did a demake of the Witness that so it looks like what the Witness would be if it was made for the Nintendo. Oh jeez! It's on um, it's on itch. I think there's a dem- a free demo of it if you want to check it out. Um, I don't know how closely it follows the gameplay of the witness, but it seems cool. I'm literally pulling it up as we speak. Oh wow, it's it's all eight bit stuff. That's great. Well, that's what that console was. So I mean, yeah, if they they were able to emulate neat polygons in there, I'd be very impressed. Um, let's see. Well, anyways, so going back to our earlier conversation, I was talking about with Uncharted Four, um, is that I still I wish that's one of the games where I think that there are games I'm excited because it seems like now that there's, um, with with Doom coming out, with um, Overwatch, with you know a lot of games that are coming out that I think people are looking at shooters differently again. And that's always exciting when that happens. And I think that as that happens, I think I'm excited to see what lessons Naughty Dog can learn. Cause I think Naughty Dog learned a lot of lessons from um, like the Stalker games or the I'm trying to think of games that would be similar to that to, to create like that uh, that sense of like stealth, but also surviving. Right? You know, I don't know. I just think it's it's mm-hmm. they're very good at what they do. But I, I don't know. It's just one of the games I think it has that 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 tension between like a really strong one thing and then maybe like it it because one side's so strong it makes the other side look a little weaker even though that side's still entirely competent. More so than like ninety percent of the games out there. Yeah. And um and the thing about Doom, which is it did what I think um uh Wolfenstein: The New Order did really well is that. It, 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 it does that kind of like self-aware referential kind of you know, reverence right. for its source material. It's like like 
you know, we know this is silly. Like, this is kind of, like, the best way to do, like, a, a well-written story for this kind of material. Because, like, if you try to do, like, the Doom 3 or the Doom the movie route, it just comes off as self-serious and, it you know, no one, no one's happy. Did so you I, ever see Doom the movie? No, I uh, haven't. Yeah. I don't know if I described Doom the, as self-serious. Uh, but I agree with what you're saying. The uh, They have a first-person video game sequence at the end of that movie. I know the first-person sequence. Um I, I know it's nothing. fun. I know nothing else. I didn't know Carl Urban yeah. was in it. I knew The Rock was in yeah. it. And then I saw the credits somewhere. Dude, I want to watch Dread, uh, Dread again, like right now. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, I think I think I I think Doom and Wolfenstein: The New Order were like, in terms of story, done the best that you could possibly do with that source material. Like, I don't know how you would do it and have it kind of like this. A, a, a more of a a dramatization than but that. I think. I oh, think. Sorry. I think the way that. Well, I think the way they did it is the best way they can do it. But on the other hand, I don't want to see every first-person shooter that kind of wants to be a shooter, like you know, a glorification of like '90s shooters, and like kind of enjoy that kind of thing. I just don't want to see a bunch of like self-aware shooters come out. Right. You don't want. You don't want them to take the wrong lessons from those. Those are good because they know what they are. But I will say that I think the Wolfenstein: The New Order punches above what it should be, though. Did you did you did you have that game? Cutscenes. No, I never played it or watched the cutscenes. <laughs> so I could talk about no, no, it. No, okay, it's fine. So the I think that, that Wolfenstein: The New Order, whereas like I think Doom is a, a full-on celebration of what it is and what it was. I think Wolfenstein actually you know made that franchise bigger than it should have been. You know what I mean? And and they gave characterization to a lot of things that. The same way that I think that um, Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay, which is the Starbreeze game, that made the world of Chronicles of Riddick better than the movies ever did. You know what I mean? Um, but I also think that Doom is good the same way that a movie like John Wick is good or a movie like Two Guns is good, where it's just, it's, there's no, you don't question what's going on in it because it, it's 100% committed to what it's doing. You know, and I think that that, that resonates with audiences 10 times out of 10 the same way that like, you know, and I know that Dylan, you weren't as crazy about Deadpool, but like Deadpool, I think struck this chord because it was so, it just fully embraced what it was almost a hundred percent of the time. So I think that helps. Yeah. There's something refreshing when, when the material is, is genuine and knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to be something it's not. It's just hard. I don't know. It would be hard from a writing perspective to, I mean, how do you make how do you make something that's genuine that is like, you know, it's like writing humor. It's like how do you know beforehand that this is funny, especially if you're constantly like editing and tweaking it. Like, how do you know that that, that this is that this is as far as the material can go, and that you can't push it farther with something well, he, like like Doom? Comedy writing is something that you know, and I think with with games more and more is that you just have to constantly test it. You know what I mean? Like, stand-up comedians don't make their their film sets the first try. They go out and tour for months and refine right. it and figure out where the hits are. And I think the same thing happens for, you know, especially for games narrative. It's so hard to tell where the player is going to get the narrative unless you stick it in front of them and they have to see it. You know, and I think that does take either a dedicated development team that can honestly look at their work and has that that critical tension within the team to, to, to suss out what's working and what's not working. Um I don't know. 
I think you're right. Like, how do you how do you make a how do you make a, a, an awesome war shooter where one guy is going to kill ninety percent of the combatants? You know what I mean? Because I still want that game. And make it and make it, yeah, and make it sound legitimate and not it end up being I don't know some sort of Michael Bay esque thing. I, and I'm talking like later Michael Bay, not like good The Rock Michael Bay. <laughs> I think um, a game like uh, Brothers in Arms could do it really well, where you're a squad. You know, if someone, because I miss the squad-based games where you're tactically maneuvering a squad, and I know that that game's not for everyone, but I think that when you when you create a sense that you're not the lone hero as much, and you're, you're it's a bigger movement, mm-hmm. I think that that really helps. Which is why like narratives in um, those personal narratives you create in like an XCOM or an Invisible Ink feel so much more genuine because you're it's you're you're dictating a team effort, and I think that a audiences love seeing that happen, but b I think it just it feels less like you're a superhero what was the third person military shooter uh i keep wanting to say full metal jacket but i know that's not what it is but it was like three words or something it's um fuck i know exactly what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about brothers no 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 no, no. it's like something something um, something it's like three words that kind of like don't actually have to do with the material that it's talking about oh shit something hammer something hammer uh, I actually don't know which one you're talking about at all. Huh. Uh, keep talking. I'll look it up. I know what it is. I'll find it. Uh, well, that game. I never played that series, but um, I. I always wanted to. Uh, play it just simply from the title alone, just because it seemed like it was taking itself like in a different vein. Then oh, I I played uh, it. It was it was sweet, sh- and like you were you were not you couldn't. Your player character was not like a a valuable combatant compared to the whole squad moving and working together. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, you were a player. I'm like scrolling. But, like, Dylan, your voice is coming through really weird on mine. Oh, are you t- talking about the THQ one that came out like a decade ago? I'm not sure. Am I still coming? Full full spectrum. Yes, warrior. full spectrum warrior. That's what it was. Yeah. Am I still? Am I sound alright? Yeah, that game rocked. You sound fine. That's my okay. connection. I'll come back. I'll call back in. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, like games like that. And then there was another game that Konami was set to publish, um, like five years ago or so. It's called uh, it's called like Six Days in Fallujah or something. Oh Jesus! And they never they never published it because they got a lot of backlash because of like the material that they were handling. Yeah, you you don't say. The game is titled Six Days in Fallujah. I can't imagine that. But it's also well. like. You know how many movies do we have about you know stuff like that about modern like Middle East you know uh, combat yeah things that happen in Iraq like I mean that stuff should be covered in games and I I don't I don't understand why people had such a backlash to it like I understand like from like if there were there's any potential for them to be disrespectful to the material. But also, like you see people being disrespectful to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, where was most of the the backlash? I, was it? I couldn't tell you specifically. Like I didn't, I didn't look into it that deep. But I remember like Konami like announcing it. I think it was around E three of that year. I think it was two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and then kind of soon thereafter, kind of like, all right, we're not gonna publish this game. Mm-hmm. So. You back with us, Mason? 
All right, we're good. We're recording. Clap, clap, right. clap, 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 clap. Sorry, growing pains. All right, there we go. We're back. All right, Six Days Fallujah, Konami published, uh, set in Iraq. Yeah, it got canceled. Yeah, or it, be, it became another game, and then it got canceled. Oh, really? Yeah, it became something else. Hmm. But it's probably in bad taste to make a game about an active war zone that's happening right now. But is it like what if you know what if someone wrote a book about that? I mean, I, I think it's in bad taste. Same way that I think it's a little early to make a Steve Jobs biopic. The same way it's a little early too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I I get what I get where you're coming from. I mean, I just I just think that you know you need you need time to reflect on things before you make media about it, especially pop culture media. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, th- I see where you're coming from. Like, you know, if you could tastefully do a recreation of the Arab Spring in games, like that could be really interesting. But uh, it, it takes a really special team to do that. And you know what's funny is that the place where we're seeing that happen the most is like in smartphone apps. And that's probably like the worst place right now just because of the state of like how, at least on the iOS app store, how s- game apps are treated to like have that kind of material in there. Well, and then also you got to think of like the medium of what a phone game is right now. I'm not saying like, you know, but I think the commitment to playing a game on your phone is very different than the commitment to playing a game. But that, that that's going to change over time. You know, I'm yeah. reading a book on my phone for the first time in a long time, which is really weird. But I got one of them big phones, read all kinds of books. Well, the, the Google book thing is actually slick. <laughs> Why did you go into southern racist voice what what was that <laughs> i'm not sure where you got racist from i just sit on my porch drink my sweet tea and my mint juleps and read me uncle tom's cabin <laughs> on my iphone yeah i associate that voice with racist stereotypes yeah, don't don't meet my family um uh, uh. <laughs> where were we i don't know I so don't my know. iphone so <laughs> i read my iphone <laughs> Come on, man. There's, there's some good people in the South, too, though. That's no, not... I, I, I never said I, I was right. That was a completely wrong stereotype on my part. <laughs> I mean, I'm here. Yeah, I'm still you're here. a Virginia Beach boy. Yeah. Boy. Boy. <laughs> oh, jeez. See, that's racist. There you go. That <laughs> okay. We checked that box off. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think I think that it takes it takes tech. And, I, I, you know, I think you're right that it's weird that a lot of these games are coming to mobile. But also, like the development tools to push into iPhone are probably more accessible than the ones to push. And that's what I was going to say, especially yeah. to the developed world. It's not like, you know, they can go and buy a Oculus-ready PC. Or a fucking like, PS4. They're like $900 in Brazil. Yeah. So, so I mean, it makes sense, especially because the people that are going to be making games about these conflict areas are not in the U.S. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's more autobiographical and things like that, I just... I mean, obviously, the Konami one probably wasn't, but... Yeah. I don't know. I don't trust Konami to do much with games. Obviously. Yeah. Did we hear about Metal Gear Solid Pachinko? You're all excited about Metal Gear Solid Pachinko? I'm sorry, what? Is that a thing? Yeah. They just, like, announced it, and then everyone went up in arms about it. Why would people go up in arms about it? It's just a pink pachinko machine branded with Metal Gear Solid. Well, you gotta look at like the history of what happened. You have, you know, 
all this stuff coming out about how Konami's a shitty place to work, and then like all this stuff about is Kojima or is he not fired, and then him finally leaving, and then him founding his own company, and then you know the future of Metal Gear kind of being up in the air, uh, and then the next project uh, that includes the Metal Gear name being a pachinko machine, you know, doesn't doesn't bode does well. not inspire confidence. Yeah. Um, Mason, what are you doing over there? You googling pachinko? It's it's like slots. Uh, it's how it works. I just I didn't have a. a an <laughs> it's opinion. marble slots. It's like it's like Peggle without the fun. I know I know what pachinko is. Can we talk about Peggle? Because that game was fucking amazing. I've never touched Peggle. Oh my god! I've never touched a single PopCap game. I don't think that game is so good. It. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like pure heroin. That's a game that has, you know, I think an interesting amount of narrative built up. <laughs> I'm not. I know. I know that, that read like a joke, but they they have separate characters and they all. That unicorn comes in. Well, but the characters yeah. all have abilities and they have. Uh, I don't know. There's that game has more there than it should. And what it needs, yeah. I should say, not what it should. I've never played, so I can't speak to Peggles' narrative values. Well. Go play Peggle. It was in WoW for a little bit. It was sweet. I thought, I thought it was Bejeweled was in WoW. They were both. Uh, I had Bejeweled and it would automatically come up when you're on a taxi. Yeah. I'm like, what I am think, I doing? I think I did that once. I was like, oh, right. well, got to make this flight path seem interesting somehow. What a weird time for games. Flight paths. Flight paths. Oh, speaking of that, the fast travel in Witcher I think is horrendous. The fact that I have to go to signposts. Get, get, the most frustrating thing. As, there's a mod. There's a mod for that too. As opposed oh, yeah. to just to be contrarian for a second, because I I'm kind of with you. So it bothers you more that you have to travel a distance as opposed to God plucking you from the ground and dropping you somewhere. And then my horse sprouting rings and flying. You know, it wouldn't be less aggravating if I could just activate the signpost from the back of Roach. That would make it less aggravating. Yeah, it's like just, it's like you got on your horse and then you went. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that uh, the signposts are close enough that it's it's not it's tedious but not obnoxious. Yeah, could be worse. Say. But, but yeah. I, I totally I totally can see why that's an issue. Mm-hmm. It didn't. There's a lot of little things in that game that I think were there to make the world feel open, you know, and force you to kind of go around. Yeah. And I think that it, you know that I can see why that would frustrate someone that's trying to get you know through the narrative or, or kind of, you know, beeline a lot of the game. Not that that's what you're doing, but I think that that's kind of the difference between and how I played it versus how you guys Here. played it. I've got an example of one. Um, in uh, Nilfgaard, a bunch of the merchants just had the merchant icon on them. Um, uh, Mason, you saw this yesterday. I was hunting for a uh, blacksmith. So I go into that area and... Nova, Novigrad. Novigrad, yeah. What did I say? No, uh, Geralt. <laughs> Jerry. Am I that tired? Wow. Um... No, you said you said no card. Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm in that square area, and uh, you know, I find a blacksmith, a bunch of other stuff, and then I find a guy who who he must be a banker or something. He converted my currency, like the uh, the invading Nilfgaardian yeah. currency, into crowns. And it's like that's really cool. The banker. Yeah, like, uh, what do you make of the fact that they didn't actually mark that on the map, and he's just a, a merchant? Wait. 
do you think that falls in the category of like, hey, go explore and find this thing, or could that have been I, better, have been more useful if it's straight up said banker on the map? Or how about the fact that they don't designate if armorers are master class or amateur level until you talk to them? So you know you're looking for someone to make something for you, and you have like no concept of like where a suitable armorer could be mm-hmm. for like tiered blacksmith. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think what if I was if I was to do that I would do it where you have to talk to them because I did like that that like you have to you have to kind of investigate like hey can you make this but then once you talk to them once I think the UI should indicate it in the map yeah yeah that'd be fine and that's, that wouldn't that's a solution me. to that that was one of the things that's an example of why I was a little um, nervous about getting back into it like I I wanted to get back into it but all the stuff like I knew where where my craftsmen were I knew where all my stuff was and I know the map wouldn't tell me exactly where to find that so i had to kind of like re-get my bearings on the game a year that's later. all that's all a lot of holdovers from just crpgs mm. you know yeah. you know where the craftsman that does this thing is and i think that 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 holds true a lot of time or like the thing that you know when you're picking herbs you don't know what kind of herb it was and this is something they added to the new patch that they fixed like you don't know what kind of herb it is until you pick it up but now that when you hover over it to loot it it says it designates what kind of herb it is but didn't it? It didn't used to do that. You just you just grabbed it. You just had to pick it up and say, "Oh, I don't need this wolf." I don't think it does that on Xbox yet. Oh, do you guys not have the patch? No, we, we, have, we have the patch, but um, for some no, reason, Alex, I, it'll do it for you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look more closely next time. It, yeah. it could just be that I'm blowing through plants, like picture of Gerald just running through, grabbing trees Interesting. and shit, like ripping flowers out of the ground. That's what I'm doing. There are some boss battles where I was like low on health, and I just start stuffing food in my mouth, and I'm like, "This is stupid." One thing I don't like is food doesn't stack. So if you eat a chicken sandwich for 15 seconds and a a, a bread for 15, for five seconds, yeah, it'll override it. it. Overrides it. Yeah, but dude, you could. There's, I don't, I, I don't mind that because I think that's the balance too. If you just slam down the D-pad, you would fill your health up immediately. And that's that's true. And true. As a combat, as a combat designer, I think you have to have. Now you know. Communicating that would have been important because I, I had to realize that I'm like, well, the bar's is refilling and I'm not getting health back any faster. Yeah. The the uh, the number one frustration I have with The Witcher uh, was the book thing, and they fixed it finally, but that infuriated me. What was your problem with it before? Because I did notice the the big change to it. Um, so before you pick up books, and I like to read, you know, the books, and I have to go into the menu. And then if it alphabetized like the, books, read the books, <laughs> I would uh, I would I would have to go find the book. And it used to be like now at least there was a patch that after it came out where it would mark if you read the book, so that helped a lot. Yeah. But books have weight, so you know I don't know. I just think that it'll, it's like audio logs in Bioshock. Like one of the <laughs> slick things they did is that you could pick it up and hold A to listen. Like yeah. that's a thing that should be universal in games. If you pick up something that has information, you should be able to access it without accessing the menus. And I think the tracking quest stuff, and this was obviously in before the patch, but just like click in R to track this quest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I love I, that. Uh, so I like that a lot, but uh, often when I when you get the quest and it's just on the screen like that, I might not be looking closely enough, but I don't think it says what level it is. And it definitely doesn't say anything about the quest. So I'm always hesitant to to overwrite what I'm doing. I need to go in and look at the details of what it is in the menu. I think it's most useful when like, you know, I think this happened when I was like talking to Zoltan and like there's the the main quest um, that I'm on. And then from that main quest, a side quest spout, sprouts from it. 
So it's like, okay, I want to take care of the side stuff first. And then, and then that's when that becomes most handy. But yeah, when I go on a notice board and it like pops up four different quests that I just got from pulling everything down from the notice board, it's, it's less useful. Yeah, here's an example. I pulled up a really, really sweet side quest and I was tracking it and then I checked my menu and it turns out it was like 13 levels higher than I am. So I was like, oh, I shouldn't do this. But it does designate it in the on-screen UI if it's too high. Oh, with the, the skull. Yeah, that's uh-huh. helpful. The, what I like about that is, too, is also to what Dylan says that uh, sometimes you'll run across and, like, a person will run out and, like, ask for your help. And then that, that quest begins and it only makes sense for him to pursue that thread instead of, like, like hold on, I got to pull my journal out and see if this is what <laughs> I want to do. So I think there, there are things that, that help. I think The Witcher 3 does an exceptional job for an open-world RPG um, at keeping the pace moving, which I think yeah. is something really, really hard in an open-world game. Totally. Um, what, one of my favorite quests that I did was um, there's you run into this person like when you first enter Velen. It's like this old woman who's complaining about like these idols of some god. As they do. Uh, they get... <laughs> They get that was knocked over, and she wants you to go and restore yeah, yeah, them, yeah, pick yeah. them back yep, up. Yep, yep. And you know, my relationship with religion in this game has pretty much been like, all right, just you know, let it be, let whatever their god du jour is, just let it happen. And then when I got to the end of this chain, so the first thing that was funny is that like they put one part of this chain that have you run through this town that's been destroyed by ghouls, and the ghouls are like level twenty five. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wh- why? Like. Why would you give me a level 11 quest and have me run through like this obviously out of my league area? But when I got to the area, it was like a bunch of students from like the Oxford Academy that were like defacing these shrines. Mm -hmm. And they were like, we don't want the ignorant peasants, you know, worshiping these silly gods any longer. And like your options were to either fight them, I don't know, to kill or to just beat them up or to just let them be. I was like, Fuck man, it's just a bunch of liberal students being being liberal ass students. I'm just gonna leave them alone. <laughs> I just walked off, and that was like the first time where I was like, you know what? I'm with you guys. All right, just you know, whatever. You know, Protestant Reformation, the shit out of this thing. I don't care. That's where uh, having Axie leveled up helps a lot mm-hmm. at opening. Oh yeah, I have that maxed out. Yeah, you oh. should, that's important. I got to level two right now. But I think I that. Felt re- oh. I felt really bad because I used it on a kid once because he was freaking out and Geralt was just like calm. And I was like, oh. oh I did that too. <laughs> I mean, it felt kind of nice. It's, it's a- like you're doing the kid a service. Like he, He's freaking out because his, his dad has been killed by a monster. Uh, I feel like you're doing more Geralt a service and it kind of comes off a little skeevy. Huh. It's interesting that that's what your takeaway was. I, th- I saw it as you know an act of kindness that was kind of unlike his character. You know, he's actually going out of his way to to help a kid. But I can totally see where you're coming from, too. I, I just saw it the way I would have done it. I'd be like, shut up, kid. Calm. <laughs> Every uh, time he does that hand motion, I do it. Like, subconsciously. <laughs> Dude, I was doing that the other I really, day. I really want to try to, like... Uh-oh. Shut up. What's he doing? My speaker, my Amazon Echo, like, triggered somehow. Was- you brought Alexa with you? Yeah. I, yeah, I brought, oh my I brought my speaker with me. Oh my god. Hey, we're here for 10 weeks. That's a chunk of time. So, I like to imagine that it's just Tim like sitting in the dark by himself <laughs> on the couch, kind of like not knowing what to do. I didn't take the PS4, so. Uh, no, jeez. Uh, Sorry, I kicked my mic. No, you're good. The No, I brought it's a Bluetooth speaker. 
So I just thought it was funny they brought it with you. I can't go anywhere without without she who must not be named right now, or she'll get triggered. It's just Mason in a cardboard box on the streets of Pittsburgh with Alexa, Alexa food. So okay. So speaking of triggered, do you guys know? So oh there's God, what? No, 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 no. It's not, I'm not gonna. I'm not opening that thread up. But there's that's a thing, right? Where like people, there are like trigger words, and you can, you know, what's it called? Like micro panics. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's 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 a like, part of like this whole movement for you know uh, a yeah, safe space in the country. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not taking a stance one way or the other. No, I no. don't. I don't do. Everyone can just do. I just wish everyone would just do whatever the fuck they want and just shut the fuck up about it. But <laughs> that's not a stance. Murders, murderers, you're free to go. Libertarian motherfucker. But um, in Overwatch, when you step on. Uh, Junkrat's trap in giant red letters that just says triggered and I'm always thinking that like <laughs> like oh no uh, not a, it's not a safe space anymore I said something insensitive <laughs> I'm sorry so I like to think that Junkrat's just like a giant just I don't know something that's tr- it's really into BDSD BDSD is that what it's called? BDS- BDSM. BDSM. And BDSM. We're, that is actually not the topic we're discussing here. It's uh, oh. trigger warnings in schools and that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, it's... it's you're thinking you of know. safe words. Yeah, you're thinking of safe words, which is also funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, trigger, trigger word, like, you know, it's it's if, if someone makes, like, an anti... Uh, somebody makes a... A well, rude remark that's, uh, yeah. like, that disenfranchises uh, the population. Uh, Supposed to let them know that you're uncomfortable by saying having some designated word. Well, no, no, no. It, it, these it's, these it's, words cause them to be uncomfortable. It's more often when discussing oh, rape. Okay, when, uh, right. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you. So okay, and I, right. again, I'm not talking about the the topic around that. I just think it's funny that in giant letters it just says triggered, and it, <laughs> it's just Junkrat saying just really horrible slurs. It's just like, oh, hey, God. women shouldn't vote, and you're like Junkrat. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, man. I brought you with my friends, you know. You know Hitler had the trains running on time. Junkrat! <laughs> oh, my God. Uh. Well, yeah, so that's that's that. You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Junkrat's kind of a douche. He's totally a douche. He's hilarious, but he's a totally an asshole. I keep seeing these Lego Overwatch characters that people are building, and I'm like, I really want, I really want that. I think the Diva one's cool. Yeah, but well, that's the, the only mini, one I've the, seen. The minifig in the suit. I saw um, Zen, Zenyatta, and that was pretty cool. Neat. Someone built, but people are building the actual figures, not using minifigures. Like they're just building the, kind of like the uh, in Legoland where they have the people that are built of yeah, yeah. bricks. Mm-hmm. You have like the Chewbacca that's made out of yeah. Lego bricks. Yeah. Did you hear about that uh, Zootopia fi- uh, statue that was made out of Lego? No. Mm. What? It was uh, this this very famous or you know very you know well well known uh lego sculptor made uh nick wild from zootopia yeah out of bricks and it was showed off at some uh expo or something and this little kid came up to it and knocked it over yes it just it shattered yeah like not even like chunks it was like it was like his ankles, it like snapped off at the ankles, so it was just Nick Wilde's feet just standing there, and then just like just a Technicolor ocean of Legos just around this. And I was like, man, if I was there, I would have cast calm on that kid. <laughs> Axie, <laughs> do you don't you think though, like maybe he should have considered just gluing them together 
at a public. That's why I was surprised because yeah, because they usually do that. Yeah. yeah, most yeah most professional Lego sculptors use glue. That's not the point. I watched the Lego movie. Craggle's bad. <laughs> Craggle. <laughs> Master builders. Touche, sir. Actually, I've got a, this is totally unrelated to anything. I have a bone to pick with crazy glue. Literally every every box. Call in for your product complaints about crazy glue. We're standing by. This shit makes me so angry. Every bottle I've ever had, even the the kind with the, the like the freshness cap, locks and fr- and dries up after my second use. Like. Fuck you, Crazy Glue. You know what else I hate? Metamucil. It never works as advertised. <laughs> Why are kids always wearing their pants down so low? I can't build my birdhouses without my Crazy Glue. <laughs> Mason hates us right now. Mason has Do, do you nothing, guys remember uh, Tourette's guy? Speaking of <laughs> insensitive, um, <laughs> let's triggered. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move away from this topic. Um, Wait, is that the fuck salt guy? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, shit. Fuck salt. Um. <laughs> crazy glue. You just take a needle and poke it back in. It's life no, hack. No, the entire tube fr- like dries you, up rock solid. You cut the top. No, the entire goddamn tube, like the stuff inside of it. Wait, are you serious? What? You're telling I'm- me that crazy the crazy glue you've used the tube dries up? Yeah, the whole tube. Are you not close? Are you not closing it? No, I definitely am. Life hack: take all the crazy glue, eat it, and then you die. Life hack. <laughs> That'll solve your problem real fucking quick. <laughs> That's right. why you should just use granola glue. Yeah. <laughs> Winston approved. This this podcast sponsored by. I'm gonna build that portable AC unit, even though it doesn't work. It just looks cool. Do it. The. Next topic. Um, there's elephants on my wall, so you know. Yeah, tell me about them. It's funny because we moved in, and uh, Alex immediately <laughs> pulls all the shit off his walls. <laughs> <laughs> the girls left a bunch of shit on the walls. They left way more in Mason's room, but there were like three or four really, really girly posters and some like trinkets and stuff. And I just I neatly put them in the closet. I was like, I don't want that. Right, no. You can see that they're all still up in the. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. Apropos drama student dangled lights. Yeah, I like the Christmas lights that are. The poster in yeah. my room says she believed she could, so she did, which uh. I feel is appropriate to me. So <laughs> it's like our Airbnb in uh, in Boston was. Uh, that was just someone trying to like. This looks like a place where people die. Let's put stuff up. <laughs> Alex, there was like a Bible proverb at uh, you know in the kitchen, and then in Wendy in mine's bedroom, there was like a picture. There was like a photo frame photograph of like a PBR neon sign sweet and i was like really trying hard to figure out what the theme of that airbnb was going for and he went into his closet and pulled all the frame shit he had in there i was like oh this is where this goes <laughs> that's great i i really like the neighborhood we stayed at pack so i i had a good time i think i had more fun exploring that little region we got to go around boston a little bit but i think i we i felt like i understood that neighborhood more we went, we went through the wrong part of Boston where everything was like super yeah. expensive. Well, and it was it's downtown, like by the convention center, so everything's hiked up. So that's true. Yeah. I'm sure Bo- inner. I'm sure Boston proper is sweet too, but I just really like the area that we were in. It was sweet. How's how's Pittsburgh? It's dope. I saw that picture Alex put up of uh, the Allegheny or the Ohio, whatever river that was. Allegheny. That was the Allegheny. Yeah, it's been good so far. I like it a lot. 
Are there a lot of bike paths? Because you guys were on your bikes? <laughs> there, there are trails. There are a couple of really good trails, um, but it's kind of a crapshoot in the city itself. Okay. Well, hold on. It's a crapshoot when you're Alex Rice <laughs> on a bike who's an endangerment to everyone around him. I missed one red light. I I don't know how I just didn't see it. No, the red light missed me. No, I straight. It's actually it was actually pretty terrifying because I just somehow didn't uh, fucking see it. And I look I was up. So scared. Yeah, I look up and I'm like cruising through a red light. I'm like, oh my god. I I don't know what happened. It was no. I think I think it's a it's a um. There's a there's a big collective in in Pittsburgh called Bike Pittsburgh, and they've apparently been super productive at lobbying for bike lanes. And it it seems like a really bike bike friendly city um isn't it really hilly though super hilly oh yeah yeah you're always going uphill um like the climb back to so we went on the, we, went, we rode around pittsburgh the other day alex and i and like we went all the way around pittsburgh it was sweet but we come back and this climb at the end was just it was that's one of the harder climbs i've done in a long time i mean it's like it was like going up a 90 degree incline it sucked fun it was sweet that's cool um, did you look at anything else uh well I've been I've been running out of the I went to the the Three Rivers Boathouse so that's awesome uh huh um and then I I rode up and uh I saw a submarine by the Carnegie Science Museum so that was really cool that's pretty cool it's cool because like you know you know you you row or you go you you bike or whatever in the same area for a certain amount like the same span stretch so it's really weird to because every time I've been on the Allegheny for the racing it's always been race day so I'm not really looking around I'm like trying to hype myself up. So I really, also the weather is usually really bad, dude. Ahead of the Ohio, yeah. Well, your senior, your your last year rowing, it was great. It was probably the best because you were in the late yeah. eight, yeah, yeah. And um, it's it's a, it's beautiful. Like I really I really like the rivers here. Um, and in the mornings they're like glass, unless the wind blows from the southwest, which goes against the current, and that creates white caps. But um, so you know, rowing update: Pittsburgh's an okay city to row in. I like the dull pineapple near the Steelers Stadium. That's always cool. I don't know if I've seen that. What? That's like right. That's like where it's like in the corral area that we usually sit at. No, I know for that. the 5K mark. So you know that big fountain right there? Uh, vaguely. Yeah. So that's that fountain's that's the point. So that's where the Mangahala and the Allegheny come together. Uh huh. So we're right there. But yeah, I know the Steelers Stadium. Um, but I'll look for the pineapple. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's like a big metal pineapple. The duck's in like gone. A parking lot. Oh no! Duck was cool. Oh, the giant inflatable duck. That's probably the best feature. The best thing about that duck is the air valve was right on that duck's asshole, which I found <laughs> hilarious because that was on purpose, and someone was awesome for doing that. <laughs> it was weird because like you go to that you go to that point and it's just like a carnival of a river because there's like yeah. that giant that giant steamboat like like riverboat thing and then there's the giant inflatable duck and then the Steeler stadium and that dull pineapple and well, it's like what the fuck the, is this the baseball stadium's right there you're right by downtown um, or maybe it's a baseball stadium i'm thinking of. no no, no they're, they're right next to each other oh okay. you, so you start in front of heinz field but you go by pnc park which is the pirate stadium i got confused too because i was like wait a minute i don't remember there being two stadiums here but now that i've had time to like look around um i don't know it's a cool town it's big but it's not big just like Richmond, it's big but not big. Bigger than Richmond, definitely bigger, bigger Richmond. than Richmond. Um, Does it feel like, I don't know, livelier than Richmond or anything? Because I mean, 
I don't know. I feel like Richmond and Pittsburgh are kind of like on the same level, even though Pittsburgh, you know, historically has been this huge town, you know, when the steel industry was huge. Right. But now it's I just like... It feels like there are more people, so I guess a little livelier. It doesn't feel any more like... Um, I guess what I meant is like in terms of industry. Mm. Does it see like, like if you were to look at like the Fortune 500 companies that are out of Pittsburgh, it's definitely does it feel like... bigger than Richmond in that regard. But also, you know, I went, I was, I was running the other day and you run by, um, all the major universities so that alone makes it feel more developed. Cause not, you you have Duquesne, you have university of Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon, Duquesne. um, point like a bunch of universities, but also you, you know, I drove by the Google building. I drove by the Uber building. You know what I mean? Like there's tech is in Pittsburgh in a big way because of Carnegie Mellon and, and these schools. That's right. Cause, yeah, because isn't all of like their, because they're big in like automated vehicles and things like that. Robotics, you know, and their computer science is is awesome too. Like, their, Carnegie Mellon is a great engineering school, um, and Pittsburgh, I guess, has has got a pretty good program too. Our our creative guy went to Pittsburgh. Um, That's cool. And then you have the art institute too here too. So there's a, there's a big art scene as well. Um, but right now it's pretty cheap. But I think it's going to get more expensive because because you have Google's and Ubers here, and that just right. It's 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 already happening, but it's gonna happen in a big way, I think, in the next ten years. I wonder how having like a Google, I mean, not Google, a Uber like um, office in a city affects like the pricing or like the quality of the Uber in that. That's a good town. Good question. I don't know. I guess if you fuck up, the guy's just like, come to my office. <laughs> they breaks your knees. You know what's fuck up? The Uber's doing is they're trying to get it so they can get subprime auto loans for drivers, so they can buy newer, nicer cars. Oh really? Just Jeez. shitty. Ugh. Because Uber doesn't. But they're still not employees. No, they're not, and there, there's no way you can make enough money to to fulfill a lease and living expenses. So, I take issue with that. Um, hmm. you should all see The Big Short. That's a good movie. Is it good? Yes, it's very, very, very good. I like Adam McKay. It it, it looks like if you took like, The Office and then combined it with Wall Street, the movie. What for Wall Street? No, like Wall Street, oh, Wall Street with, Michael, with Douglas. Michael Douglas as um, yeah. oh, what's oh, Gordon Gecko? Gordon Gecko. That's a good name. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good that's name. That's a good Wall Street asshole name. They remade that movie with like Shia LaBeouf. What was the sequel? Because Michael Douglas was in that. Oh, like the whole the whole plot is that he finally got out of prison. Was it good? I never saw it. Yeah. So. Well, the uh, Big Short's dope because it it's a I think it. You know, we were talking about actually that's a good point. We we're talking about movies that come out that are too close, like a biopic that's too close to someone's death or something. I think that movie's really important at illustrating how fucked up the housing crisis was. And I think that there, are, that's when you can do it. That's my that's true. That's my stance. <laughs> and that's the Mason Brown stance on and you can, movie creation. You can take that to the bank, but with, not during with my the, the housing crisis. And all. Um, so that's that. Cool. Well, uh, you guys got anything else going on? Nah. Alex? Uh, I broke up. Oh, go Alex. <laughs> you can't just say Alex and then start talking. <laughs> well, I thought he said no. I'm sorry. No. Uh, what did he say go, no? I'm sorry. I'm going to go drink some coffee. Uh, Dylan, what do you got going on? Uh, I got to fix a game I just broke. Like, pretty badly I broke. What do you break and how? Uh, I broke Arbo. I was... Uh, working on it i'm almost done for real this time i'm almost done and 
I went to export a build of it just to see how it ran and unity crashed like during the build process and in doing so that scene so like uh like in unity like individual like levels quote unquote the way you would structure a game are called are built into separate scenes um and a scene file is kind of like how you take all your other assets so your scripts and your game objects and things like that and that's how you organize them so a scene file itself is actually really small it's like 50 kilobytes but it's really important because it's basically how you have keep everything organized it's like how all the references to one another are organized so if you don't have any prefabs which are like pre-made game objects that kind of save the logic internally and it stays separate all that logic and everything is tied intrinsically to the scene so in building the game and it crashing corrupted that scene file which was the main game file like the entire game like the part that you play was in that file and it crashed so basically what I have to do is I have to go back and take all the individual components and kind of build it back together which is not in and of itself that bad the part where it gets tricky is things like I have if a, if a script references a separate game object that's not connected to itself, it, you use this find method. So you say gameobject.find and then you give it a string, which is the name. And the name has to match exactly what the game object's called in the scene. So I have to remember what each game object was named and rename it precisely as it was. That sucks. Which again, is not that bad because like I have references right there that say, okay, it's calling a game object with this name so I just have to name it exactly that but it's still tedious <laughs> at the 11th hour when I was almost done with the game and then that breaks as badly as it did so maybe it's kind of shitty a good practice would be to like duplicate it before you do a big export and then yeah yeah um well so there's also this this feature called it's called uh it creates a temp file called like edit mode scene um so if you don't open Unity, it, Unity crashes and it like corrupts your file like that. If you don't open Unity, you can take this edit uh, make scene file mm -hmm. and change the uh, the um, the file type to a dot scene, and then that it's the exact same thing. Really? So it does this exact same backup, but you just have to remember to take that out of the temp folder mm -hmm. and rename it to a dot scene before you open unity again because as soon as you open unity again it wipes it that seems like a really hacky solution to that though yeah that's weird is that is that like an official like unity thing uh no it was it's on unity support not like i don't know if a i don't think it was a unity developer or a, a unity employee suggesting that i think it was someone else suggesting right. that because that's what they did okay so it's just like a workaround yeah yay workarounds there are a couple. I tried to restore uh, restore an uh, older version from uh, Dropbox, but they were all... Because the specific issue I think I was having was that like it was referencing a file externally that was built during the build uh, session that it then deleted mm -hmm. once it was done with the build. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. It's not going to be that bar that hard, but it's still kind of frustrating. Yeah, that's, not, that's no fun. No fun. All right. Well, have fun rebuilding things. I'll have fun having no fun. When do you move? Um, our place is ready to move into on the eighth. Dude, so, fuck yeah. Yeah, you're, we haven't packed at all. You're gonna have like 
uh, living room. Yeah. Oh my god, you're gonna be living deluxe. You can come over, hang out. Where is? Where's the place? Is it in the Monument District? Wait, you got a cat? Oh fuck that! I forgot you got a cat. <laughs> god damn it, Dylan! I was ready to come over and hang out and have fun with you. No one else was taking Mary's cat. We wanted to take care of Mary's cat. You know who can take care of Mary's cat? Itself. You? It's a cat. It can survive. You can take care of Mary's cat? Sarah can take care of Mary's cat. Alvis is gross. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He shits Um, shits in a box. All cats shit in boxes. Not my cat. (laughs) Not my president. Not my president. (laughs) To answer your question, Alex, we're over in the museum district now. We're like right behind uh, Carytown. Yeah, you're in a good you're in a good area, dude. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. And now you can walk to my house, as opposed to like drive. I used to do. Yeah, you did always do that. You're you're a brave man. But uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Cool. So, we'll see how that process goes. Uh, Packing all this crap up. Well, I'll let Alex get his coffee. I'm. Uh, well, that's the end of the podcast, guys. Uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs>